the 90s. It's a time of grit, grittiness. What else starts with the G? I don't know. It's a lot, a lot of stuff happened. Grime, all of that stuff. Is gall, often, guts. Galt, yeah. Galts, whatever that is. Guts. No, gall. Um, like gall, you have the there gall. you go. John Galt. Um, we associate all of this with, and so much more with 90s comics. And today we're going to be doing a deep dive on a, well, a story. Let's call it that way. A story from, from the 90s. Uh, thanks to our premier patron, Mr. Jeffrey, who will be bringing in in just a moment. But first... Besides our patrons, who are really the top funders of the show, we also have a fantastic sponsor. He is fantastic, and his name is Mr. Fox. He's the fantastic Mr. Fox. Stephen Fox of Fox and Sons Coffee. I'm a Den Blend Dark guy. That's my buddy. This guy, let me tell you, if you want some variety in your coffee beans, you better be checking out to foxandsons.com, F-O-X-N-S-O-N-S.com. Check it out this week, because there's going to be more New beans up there, Mexican honey prep. My God, I didn't even know they had honey in Mexico, but somehow they created the Mexican honey prep. All sorts of beans on there. Again, I like the dark roast, but go pick out a couple bags if it's your first time and use discount code Second Print Pod for fifteen percent off your order. What's your favorite bean there, Remzo? I know you've been drinking the Fox. I went stuff. ahead. I went ahead and did um, electric boogaloo yesterday. I have some that I went ahead. And uh, put in my grinder today, but I am grinder. There's another G word grinder. Yeah, (laughs) both a both a verb and an app that some of you are aware of, apparently. Um, Yeah, no, I first met Jeffrey, actually. We don't don't (laughs) talk about that. I uh, now I'm 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 dying this morning because I haven't had my my cup of electric boogaloo yet. And that's a podcasting without coffee. It's it's been it's been a Monday. You look like it too, to be honest. This is why you got to see the video so you can see tired Ramzo. Yeah, no, I I need that. That's my fate. I'm not much of a dark roast guy. But I really like that one. I just do a little splash of milk in there and bam, like I'm I'm good for I'm good for uh, the entire day. And what I like about this is that, you know, my coffee has basically replaced my energy drink consumption. So if you're trying to get away from energy drinks, go back to some coffee, especially if you're trying to get off sugar, because all those energy drinks are either laden with sugar or they're sugar free and laden with some other shit that's probably giving you cancer. And I've been myself uh, probably had one too many sugar free drinks in my day mm-hmm. while pretty aware I'm poisoning myself. The great thing, you don't even really need like sugar or anything with Fox and Sons. You don't need it at all. I wouldn't even recommend it. But if you were the kind to put sugar in your coffee, this is not related to Fox and Sons. No. I'm just going on a rant now. Monk fruit. Ramso, do you know about the monk fruit? Yes, I do. I saw a video about uh, benefits the other day. That's what I use for all. We don't even keep sugar in my house for anything. Even if it's for baking something, it's monk fruit all the way. So I highly recommend it. We're not sponsored by monk fruit. I get no benefits from saying this other than I, I want to share my knowledge with the world. And sharing knowledge is, oh shit. What was the, <laughs> what was the GI Joe thing? It's like knowledge is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. I know you were too young. You were not even a glimmer when when those were coming out originally. But PSA is not. Speaking of glimmers, we got a glimmer with us. Another G word, by the way. Uh, We got a a glimmer of a a glimmer of a gem. I'm just racking up these G's now. A glimmer of a gem with us. Too bad Jeffrey doesn't start with a G. This is actually Jeffrey with a J. But Jeffrey with a J. But we got another G. Jeffrey Greek. What's up? Hey, how's it going, guys? The king of our Patreon over at patreon.com slash second print pod. Jeffrey, you're pretty much the man. You know, you are the top funder. I'll just put it out there. You're the the number one funder of this program. And that means you can do whatever you want, including make us read five issues of this Iron Man story that you're going to help set up for us today. So why did you pick this story for us today? Set the the whole thing up for us. Well, you know, a little while back, uh, Rimzo did an episode about Deathlock and you're doing your uh, Thunderstrike reread and so i thought you know in tribute to that 
we could, we could do this little uh, story arc, which is sort of a grand tour of '90s Marvel comics. You know, you got Deathlock, you got <clears throat> Venom, you got New Warriors, you got Thunderstrike, you got Smart Hulk. You know, '90s. You're so, forgetting all the Spider Clones. <laughs> well, he just means in this in this particular story. Unfortunately, yeah. we, there were no spider clones that I'm aware of in this story, but there could have been. They're between the, the panels, right? Yeah, they're they're probably there's probably one in there somewhere. Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting way to look at this. This really, if you want to, if somebody were to ask, like, what what is '90s Marvel all about? This would be a pretty good storyline just tossed to them because it does, like you said, does feature a large number of the stalwarts, many of which are sort of B-listers or also rands that they were trying to turn into something more, well, such as in the case of Thunderstrike, basically shitty human Thor. Uh, but they were trying to push these alternative characters. I don't know, Remzo, what, what, maybe you have some thoughts on why this was, because it's not like they didn't have a regular Thor at this time. It's not like they didn't have a regular Captain America when they bring in a U.S. agent. Is it more that they didn't want to corrupt the nature of the current characters while still wanting to provide like what they perceived as cooler versions like Thunderstrike with his 90s, you know, earring and his, his leather vest? Is it just that they wanted to connect more with the, the cool kids of the 90s, I guess, without actually changing the existing characters? It, it's that to a degree, but also let's look at what's selling really well at the time. It's the ensemble books. X-Men has multiple titles. Avengers has multiple titles. Fantastic Four. And then they go ahead and bring in new warriors. So the ensemble books are doing really well. And then what's struggling? What's struggling are their Captain Americas, their Thors, their Iron Mans. Spider-Man has like four or five books within the next five years. So between like 85 and I think 93 they're really trying to give people a reason to want to get involved in these books. DC is having the same problem with Batman and Superman. A few years prior, the Dark Knight Returns did a lot for Batman, but Superman is going to die around this time. It's a change in the industry in which they have to remind people that these solo titles matter and that's not going to be the same type of story that you're going to read from an issue back in the 60s or the 70s. You got to make it different. And sometimes that means changing things enough so that way the formula is there, but enough is different that you really can't say you know what's going to happen with these characters. And don't, yeah, don't forget uh, Batman getting his back broken, too. That right. came around about six months, I think, after the death it, of Superman. Immediately. They, they had to go ahead and take down the big two from there to go ahead and build them back up. And who do we have? We have a uh, the original Paul build Ballard. back better. Yeah. The original build back better. Still shit. Um, <laughs> you know, John Paul Valley takes the place of Superman. Then we get the reign of the Superman. So it was this idea of you can have the moniker, but you don't have to be the same person. And because it's the nineties, you're dealing with grittier people, the eradicator cyber Superman. You know, giant robot, John Paul Valley, um, you know, Bat Batman, who tells Tim Drake to go shove it like you're, you're dealing with not so nice people. U.S. agent, not so nice. Captain America. Ben so, Riley even was like the grittier, sort of angrier version of Spider-Man. He's so moody because of his past. Across well, Spider-Verse Interestingly, while they, they didn't really give us a different Tony Stark, I mean, War Machine had been around for a long time. They didn't really give us a 90s variant of Tony Stark, but they did, as we'll see in this series, they did certainly um, 
break him down a bit, I guess you could say, as we'll kind of examine here. But Jeffrey, before we get into the series, uh, did you want to set us up for what's to come in any way, shape or form? So just a, just a nice little recap. You know, when I picked this, I went back and I read some of the back issues of how far back did you go? I'd like to know. Uh, I think I went around uh, 365 or something like that. 265. And, uh, oh yeah, 265. Yeah, wow, that's pretty from, far back. It's like, all... That's a solid couple of years of run. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and just a quick recap of what's been going on, you know, in that you know what two and a half years or so. So Tony Stark got shot, and as a result of getting shot, he was paralyzed. So they implanted this microchip in him that allowed him to walk. But actually, the microchip was a plant by an evil corporation. I don't remember the name of the corporation. It was not Stain. It was not Hammer. It was some other evil organization that allowed them to hack his body and take control of it. So this led into the Armor Wars 2, which was sort of a stupid name because there were no armors. But uh, (laughs) And so, luckily, Tony Stark had created a suit of armor that he could control with his mind. So he was able to get inside of that suit in order to override the hacking of his body. And so he uh, takes down evil corporation. uh, But the machinations of that evil corporation were actually just part of a larger plan by an even larger evil corporation that uh, to uh, take him out. So basically his nervous system is completely shot. So instead of, you know, letting Rhodey, who is his, you know, his second in command at this point, you know, instead of letting him know, hey, just so you know, I'm going to have them cryogenically freeze me until they can find a way to fix this virus that's taken over my nervous system. He uh, fakes his death. And uh, so it's the kind of thing you should at least tell your your number two. Like, I feel like if yeah. I was going to fake my own death and, um, you know, and, and replace myself with like a, a life model decoy or something like that, I, I should at least give Remzo a heads up. But, yeah. yeah wouldn't, maybe that's already. Think so. Yeah. So Rhodey. Yeah. So Rhodey is left in charge of Stark Enterprises. And uh, you immediately I, see how I suddenly called Remzo my number two there with and, and, and no one even caught it. But go on. OK. Well, <laughs> disrespect. But uh, so, and it's at this point that uh, War Machine is first introduced. Uh, Rhodey had been like a spare Iron Man before, but this is the actual he was he was Spider Man. I'm sorry, no, he was <laughs> my bad. He was Iron, he was Iron Man during the <laughs> Alter- first. Welcome to War. alternate comics history with Mark yeah. Remzo. Yeah. When Rhodey was Spider Man, <laughs> the first yeah, but, black Spider Man. He was he was yeah. Iron Man during Secret Wars. A lot of people yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember why he was originally why Tony Stark was originally out of commission for a while. War Machine but, uh, is a '90s variation. For some reason, I thought War Machine had been around. Yeah, but it was just well. It, been around. Yeah, th- this is this is the proper introduction of the actual War Machine armor, you know. And so, Rhodey is now you know Iron Man slash War Machine for six or seven issues until they fix Tony Stark, and so suddenly Tony Stark's back, which for some reason really pisses off Rhodey. I can't imagine why. But uh, so uh, they unkill. So they unkill Tony Stark. He's back. And then, you know, that basically leads into where we're at now with issue 300. And of course, I left out a bunch of stuff with the Mandarin and so on and so forth. But, you know, that's the basic lead up to where we're at now, where uh, in the previous issue, somebody had hacked into the Stark industry computers and basically unleashed all this 
crap that all these other companies that he acquired, all these you know evil corporations that he'd acquired over the years had been you know storing up, and that's that's where we're starting from right there. Indeed. Well, we'll pick things up from there with issue 301 of Iron Man. This one is written by Len Kaminsky at art by Kevin Hopgood, who I cannot say I'm familiar with, but he sounds he sounds like a generic 90s artist. <laughs> so I'm going to give him that title. Uh, but we do start off meeting Remzo's favorite Deathlock. Now, Remzo, you did an issue about this, an issue, an episode. It's, it's early. Uh, I have had my coffee, so I don't have that excuse. Remzo, why don't we do this? What can you tell us about Deathlock? Deathlock is a soldier, zombie, cyborg, assassin. Basically, he was um, he was a soldier named Luther Manning. He was a spec ops guy, super badass. And then one day during a mission, he basically gets blown to bits. If this is sounding like RoboCop, you're welcome, because it's basically <laughs> RoboCop. So the U.S. government is like, you know what? This guy was a genius. He was a badass. Let's go ahead and put him together with a whole bunch of cybernetic parts and then send him to kill people. And thus, Deathlock the Demolisher was born. All right. Well, we start our issue with the aforementioned Deathlock. Uh, I think this one's name is Michael Collins. So there, there were probably various. He was number. He was Deathlock number two. So he comes uh, okay. in later. So this is Deathlock number two, I guess, technically speaking. Yeah. And uh, he is hacking into he's actually like fighting these little robots. So I think he's I think by hacking, he's literally uh, entering uh, Stark Enterprises mainframe physically. And he, we find out that way by, by his conversation with his what he calls Peter. That's it's basically his his like um his his Jarvis that lives in his head. It's just called Pewter. Apostrophe Pewter. It's short for computer. I'm not sure if you guys followed followed along with that or not. Um but that's his little his little AI sidekick is the pewter. And uh we find out through this conversation with the pewter that he is looking for some technologies that were worked on uh by himself uh back in the day for cybertech and um and they were these technologies were appropriated by a guy named Harlan Riker, who perverted them into weapons programs, weapons programs that are now licensed by, you guessed it, Stark Enterprises, because as Stark Enterprises acquired Stain International in that previous storyline. And what they acquired was Stain International, as we find out in the series, they didn't just acquire the assets of the company. They also acquired all the problems and crimes and whatnot and the improprieties, if you will, which is a term that is used uh, quite often in these in these issues. The improprieties of Stain International, well, those are now considered the improprieties of Stark Enterprises. So that is that's basically the entire premise of this storyline is is other characters in the Marvel universe catching wind of what of what comes out in this issue, which is that Stark Enterprises has been up to a bunch of of shenanigans not really stark but staying international but now that's all under the stark banner and so now various uh various 90s heroes catch wind of this and have some questions about it and they, and they confront tony stark and or iron man because of course uh in this timeline here uh there tony stark is not known as iron man he is just humorously always referred to as iron man's bodyguard and everyone acts like you know of course they're never seen in the same place yada 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 kind of thing but everyone kind of everyone kind of acts like they all know that tony is not iron man and tony is the iron man i think i think it's one of those things where half the people do know kind of thing i think all the heroes but generally know he had his identity leak so many times and that was one of the funniest things in the mid-2000s when he was being nominated for george bush's uh, secretary of defense because then he kind of outs himself and then it was right around in the comics or in real life did george bush was like i'm not in the, in the comics tony stark it was it was <laughs> like, in the comics sir, it's a character could you see iron man overseeing the war in iraq 
Yeah, I don't think yeah. it would have lasted too long. No, not really. Yeah, but no, he finally, finally reveals his identity to the world, and that has been canon since 2007 Civil War issue one. I don't think Tony Stark needs a secret identity. To not honest. really. That's why in the movies they just kind of like stripped it, because in the Ultimate Comics he never cared about it. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we do see Iron Man, who is he still can't walk, but um, he can he can fuck because <laughs> he's because uh, he has uh, been hanging out with this can't put chick. a good Tony down. He's been hanging out with excellent uh, 90s short haired love, love interest, Veronica. Uh, I don't really know much about Veronica, who she is. I assume at some point we realized she was a spy or something. It's, 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 well, it, she was his physical trainer, like when he first came back from being frozen okay. and he couldn't okay. move at all. So, and yeah, they, now, they, they introduced she taught him to move the important parts. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's, it's literally like, you know, within five panels, like they're already lusting after each other. You know, she she doesn't stick around for very long. Well, there is a, we go to turn to the news and we see that there is an expose on Stark Enterprises allegations of corruption. And this is when Tony is kind of thinking to himself, oh, well, this is why Justin Hammer, you know, kind of got the short end of the stick and was very easily let up, let, uh, you know, let Stark acquire Stain International because he knew that it came with all this problems that Tony Stark is now is now essentially dealing with. Um we go back to Deathlock. He is on the prowl earlier when we saw him. He he realized he's not going to be able to hack into these files. He's going to have to. He's basically going to have to go into Tony Stark's office. And uh, and when he's once he is alerted to this, Tony gets some help from his also sexy '90s uh, redheaded assistant Bethany, who gets him into the armor in which basically she takes him out of this chair. And once he's in the armor, now he can basically walk as Iron Man, but he can't, he can't walk in any other circumstance as, Je- as Jeffrey described earlier. Uh, what do you think of the nineties version Remzo of this Iron Man armor? This is the one I kind of grew up on. I think they called it the modular armor. This is what he appears in, in uh, towards the end of West coast <clears throat> Avengers and towards the first uh, force works series, which was basically his own version of the Avengers after the West coast team broke up. This is also the Iron Man armor that you're going to see in the um, Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s, as well as the early 90s Iron Man cartoon. So this is really my first Iron Man armor I was ever exposed to. Does it give you the warm and fuzzies? It does in a way. I thought it was always stupid. He's got knee pads. He's got like a lot of extra sort of like almost like shoulder pads. He's got like a lot of extra padding in this one. It's not my favorite in abs. Yeah, Yeah, it's armor abs. It's not my favorite. But it was my first. Oh, fair enough. It's, think- it's basically, it's supposed to be designed so that he can, like, add shit to it as needed. You know, That's so. why they called it the modular one, because it was a yeah. mod that you could go ahead and... It was good for a toy line, Mark. Yeah. All right, well, we continue with this battle now, and as things, things often go when heroes battle each other, they start off not by talking to each other and asking what's going on. They start off by fighting and assuming the absolute worst of each other. Uh, so they're kind of going at it. But as these things often uh, play out, they have the conversation while fighting. So while they're shooting like energy beams at each other and whatnot, uh, they begin, begin to have this conversation. And Deathlock finally explains, um, which he maybe could have done with the phone call before the break in. Uh, hey, I'm just trying to track down this technology for this Riker guy that I used to work for. I think it's been turned into weapons. And uh, apparently your company is owns it now. And Tony's like, oh, OK, cool. Well, I'm trying to get to the bottom of, of all this corruption, too. Uh, so why don't we work together and not fight? And uh, that's basically what what works out there. So they basically all is good. Uh, he lets him see the files. He's like, all you had to do is ask. And, you know, he basically like takes these files back that could have been used to create weapons. They shake hands. 
we're all friends. Tony then goes and gives a speech about how uh, great Stark Enterprises is while being spied on by some sort of thug that I'm sure this, while it doesn't go anywhere in this in this particular five issues, I'm sure it goes somewhere uh, eventually. I'm sure maybe Jeffrey can enlighten us. I don't know how far he dove into this Iron Man run. Uh, but as we get to the end here, Tony is going back into uh, his apartment. Does he live in an apartment? If I'm Tony Stark, I've got at least, a, a, I don't have an apartment. Why is he living in an apartment? Is, uh, Am I seeing is, this wrong? His, I mean, his, he's a low-maintenance guy. Well, his, his house got destroyed uh, several issues ago. Okay, so. all right. So there is a logical explanation for this in the moment. Man, poor Tony living in the dregs in a regular old Manhattan apartment building. But this regular old Manhattan apartment building has come with some webbing today for some reason. No, not because Spider-Man is paying a visit. It's far more frightening than that. It is motherfucking Venom. And Venom always looks cool on these big splash pages when he just appears and you see his full face and st- tongue sticking out. This is about the most average version of Venom I've seen here, though, I gotta say. Art art not exactly blowing me away. It's very, look, better than I could draw, worse than a lot of other people could draw. That's how I would describe it. That's very fair. Remzo, what are you thinking about this uh, first foray into, you know, this version of Iron Man here so far? It, it brings back a lot of memories because this is a type of Iron Man story that you certainly you don't get in the comics these days. You certainly never got it in the movies. This is a very periodic Tony Stark. And what it reminds me of is the fact that, you know, he has gone through several major character shifts from the 60s until the 90s. He is Howard Hughes. Everything goes his way, even during the stain era and all that stuff. He's essentially always Howard Hughes. Then when he gets to here, he's a lot more gritty. He's kind of a dick. This is post demon in a bottle, Tony Stark. So, you know, we're dealing with a very darker, angrier type of Tony. And then it's not until really um, Warren Ellis grabs him in Invincible Iron Man issue one in 2006, that now we're basically getting Robert Downey Jr., So I have to remind myself, like, this is a very, very different Iron Man than what a lot of people are probably exposed to now if they became aware of him primarily through the MCU. Indeedy, yeah. This is, uh, like you said, that that Invincible Iron Man. Is that the Extremist storyline? Yeah. Yeah, that that is the one where he is fully Robert Downey Jr., I think, uh, in terms of the same character that we see on screen now. And this, this 90s Tony Stark... I don't think they do this in in the movies at all. The, the alcoholism isn't isn't present, is it? Or he he drinks a lot, but they it's don't a, make it. It yeah, like it's there, and you, you see, see him drunk, Iron Man right. too. But after that, it, like it's more of a joke. Yeah, it's not really a big. But the, the but nineties Tony Stark was a straight up alcoholic, brooding asshole. So I mean, it's it's very different than there's maybe elements of that with the with the Robert Downey Jr. But they're they're played up much more comedically than they are like in an actual you know actual uh, downward spiral like the nineties Tony Stark found himself in. Uh, and who can blame him with all the shit he's going through? He's got to battle this this death lock. That's bad enough. And then again, he's Iron Man here. I mean, he's Tony Stark here. He's not Iron Man, or is he? Because Venom and Venom, this is like this is really a reminder that Venom is not have the morals of a normal hero. Uh, Venom is, you know, he says, "I learned your company has sunk its teeth into the throats of countless." I got to bring back the Venom voice of countless innocents, and he just rips his head off. <laughs> he just rips his fucking head off, and you think, "Oh my god, that's it." That three issue three hundred two is the last issue of Iron Man. It's been a good run, but you notice there's some sparks, there's some wires. He's got a life model decoy. 
Page out of the book of old Nick Fury. Remzo, what can you tell me about LMDs, life model decoys? The LMDs were created by Stark Enterprises for S.H.I.E.L.D. You see them in the first issue of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. way yonder back when Tony Stark was cameoing, ironically, just as arms dealer Tony Stark. Um, They're basically basically robots that you can control. They could be both autonomous, as we see um, during the... um, Ooh, what was it? Uh, it? It was the it was the one that where the Watcher died. Original sins, so yeah. they could they could be both autonomous or they could be controlled from another end, like a video game. All right. Well, luckily for uh, Tony, uh, he had just chosen to send a life mile decoy to his apartment in that moment while he sat in his wheelchair. I guess that should have been the indicator that Tony was just walking down the down the apartment. Who's <laughs> not in his wheelchair? Um, but Venom is, is a smart one, and he's got a scent, and he quickly realizes, oh, he's controlling this Life Mile DK toy from the penthouse, and he jumps over, busts through the penthouse window, and now it is, in fact, Venom confronting wheelchair Tony Stark. Wheelchair Tony Stark, however, he's got some fucking tricks up his sleeve. He presses some button on his wheelchair, hops out of it, and the wheelchair jets towards Venom and knocks him out of the window, of course. So now we got Tony Stark crawling around um as as he's knocked venom out of the out of the penthouse but venom he's venom he held on and he is still there as as stark sort of crawls away uh slams himself behind a door venom rips the door i gotta say i really in of of all these issues the most this is where you i really enjoy this entire scene i always enjoy when a character is without his powers or without his armor or whatever it may be and has to temporarily just survive a situation like you know that he's not tony stark in any condition without armor a wheelchair or not is not going to fight venom and win but tony stark is really fucking smart and it's it gives us a chance to highlight the sort of intelligence the wits and what have you of of characters like this uh when they're somewhat out of their element so how did you feel about about the scene of, of tony just basically just basically just trying to survive against venom here me or jeffrey well, anybody, I guess. I mean, whoever wants to talk about it. Well, Somebody, my, my, thought, my, God. my thought was, you know, if you think like, okay, so you send a life model decoy into your apartment because you think there's a threat. Why wouldn't you just already be in your armor? <laughs> that's that's a very good point. That's a very good point indeed. Because well, comics. Or have a second life model decoy. I'd have like three, you know, like have a life model decoy in the apartment, life model decoy in the wheelchair. You know, you're fucking Tony Stark. Like why you don't need to use just one. I'm pretty sure you got the cash for a few. Um, but yeah, but or, Tony, yeah, or, yeah but, or even like, okay, so your life model decoy's in there. Oh, it's Venom. He's about to rip my head off. Maybe at that point, go ahead and start heading towards that elevator. You know? Indeed. Well, uh, eventually, uh, Tony does sort of block him through this elevator. And then as Venom is trying to get in, there's a big shaboom and we no longer see Tony. We see Iron Man. And, uh, you know, in the world of Venom, as far as he know, because he's he's dumb, like a lot of the rest of the Marvel Universe, he just thinks this is Iron Man's bodyguard that just happened to appear at just the right time. He was summoned at at the right time. Um, So, you know, now we get a little more of a even match, I guess, uh, between Iron Man proper and Venom. Now Venom still is able to sort of fuck with Iron Man a little bit with the webbing and, and whatnot. Uh, but eventually as, as these things tend to play out, he finally does get Venom with the, the ultrasonics. It's the ultrasonics waves that always kind of, that always knock Venom out. But 
you know, he and Tony's basically telling him, well, Tony, our Iron Man, you want to confront evil venom, you know, just take a good look in the mirror. And he says, that's bullshit. Uh, he says, he calls him a liar. He says, we protect, we protect the innocent. Stark says, prove it. He says, oh, oh, okay. I, I guess I will. <laughs> venom just pauses for a minute. He's like, oh, I hadn't thought of, of evidence or, or proving this thing at all. So, okay. All right. Well, we'll give Tony Stark uh, time to demonstrate his guiltlessness. This is not how the justice system is supposed to work. You're not supposed to demonstrate your guiltlessness. <laughs> You're supposed to be presumed innocent. It's a little flipped around in, Dem- in Venom's mind. He did not go to law school. Uh, he just kind of goes with this instinct on this. He says, but we will be watching. And if we're not satisfied, we'll be back. And next time, we'll taste blood instead of metal. Thanks, Venom. Real cool. Thanks, Venom. He's like, thanks for let. Okay. Nice threat on the way out. Um, Iron Man goes back to his uh, goes back to his pad. Calls calls Bethany over, who's helping him walk out. And uh, let's just say Veronica, not really loving seeing Bethany uh, help out. Who can blame her? By the way, I, okay. Let, let's see, let's see, let's see what you guys think. Uh, by the way, is this an art? Is this a play on Archie? We got a Betty and a Veronica essentially here. Bethany and Veronica. <laughs> Remzo, Bethany, 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 Veronica, Bethany. All right, Jeffrey, Bethany, or Veronica. The redhead. High five. Going, it's tough. <laughs> to me, it's close, but I think we're going three for three here. I gotta go with I gotta go with the redhead in this. It's this not like it's there's not two really kinds of redheads. Right. Yeah. There's ones you can't say no to, and then the ones you have to say no to. But Bethany's <laughs> in the in the former category. Hashtag so. team Bethany. Bethany wins this round. Uh then we see that Tony is on a Zoom call here uh with the head of the Taylor Foundation. The Taylor Foundation is extremely concerned about reports of these improprieties surrounding Stain International's construction of a protoplasm inversion dam in Nadua. Remzo, what can you tell me about protoplasm inversion dams? I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. They sound not really kidding. expensive, Mark. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, yeah, they're talking, and he's saying, you know, we, we think it would be in all best interest. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've noted you concern, your concerns. And he hangs up on this Mr. Taylor uh, and is like, oh, good, thank God I got rid of this guy. But then on the next panel, we realize this Taylor guy, he's not just an executive of, of uh, the Taylor Foundation, whatever that may be. He's a member of the New Warriors. This is motherfucking Night Thrasher, Dwight Taylor and the Taylor Foundation. It's time for Night Thrasher and the New Warriors. Where should we go with this? Let's, let's keep it simple. Remzo, what can you tell me about Dwight Taylor, a.k.a. Night Thrasher? Black Batman. <laughs> moving on all right we got that done uh moving on so and i guess this is like the new warriors are his outsiders i guess i guess you could say that uh, yeah they're, they're basically yeah black batman and some teenagers that's the new warriors for you another 90s team but before tony can go deal with whatever that's gonna end up being gets a knock on the door who is it in his full captain america garb so he doesn't forget who he is it's captain america who says tony we gotta talk Ramzo, give me your thoughts on this issue while I prep the next one. Why haven't we seen Venom fight Iron Man more? Like, this is this is cool. It's a cool combination. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Actually. Yeah, like, it is actually a pretty cool combination. Like, I feel like with Iron Man, they always stick him predominantly with, like, armor-themed villains. And I, I get it. 
but sometimes pushing him out of his element is really cool. There was one in like 2008 where Matt Fraction was writing and he had him fight Dr. Octopus. And that was a really fun fight. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. This was, this was cool. This was cool. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised of how much I enjoyed this when I was reading it. It's the, it's the unexpected matchups that always add a little bit of intrigue to these tales here. And, uh, you know, th- this issue 303, you know, Len Kaminsky is no uh, Christopher Nolan, but he does his damnedest because we're, we're not necessarily doing things in time order. So we get uh, sort of the story is sort of interwoven between Tony Stark's conversation with Captain America, Steve Rogers, and his battle with the New Warriors, which is taking place at some point in the future, I guess. I don't think this issue needed time dilation and confusion, but he decided to do it anyway. So I appreciate the effort. I guess I do appreciate the effort in some sense. Um, yeah, basically they're just kind of shooting the shit about their their issues and their their life outlook. And Steve, you know, Steve basically just came over to uh, you know, to to lend an ear and tell him that he's been going through some shit too. And this is around the same time. Captain America was like slowly losing his powers in a certain storyline. And he was talking about needing a replacement. This is all part of the conversation that kind of proceeds throughout this sort of inter interposed throughout the issue. But this is around the era where cap gets his own Iron Man armor. Did that happen? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, this is, I believe in later in this issue, they will talk about what you mentioned earlier. um, And what Jeffrey mentioned earlier, I believe is when they shut down uh, the West coast Avengers. They talk about this and that this issue that uh, Tony voted to shut them down, but he hints at, having something else in the works, which I believe would be the reference to the aforementioned force works. Is that where that happens? I don't know any, I've never yep. read force works. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Tony gets a bunch of friends and gives them armor. No, he basically uh, is just like, you guys don't have to move. We'll just change our brand. We'll just do it here. It's like Sierra Mist becoming starry. Yeah. I believe the original lineup was us. Iron Man, Scarlet Witch, Spider Woman, Wonder Man and US agent. agent. But then they had Oof. that that weird guy. Yeah, the, the alien dude. He kind of just shows up and then he disappears. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because Wonder Man gets killed in issue one. And so then, oh, yeah, like, that, that's the time that Wonder Man gets again. killed before he's brought back in the Avengers run with George Perez that we did review uh, at one point on oh, Scarlet Witch. I think is also part of this. Yeah, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. All right. Well, we it's basically see... the Avengers, but more hardcore. Yeah. Nineties. Well, the Avengers, if they all were really into Nirvana <laughs> and the cure. Uh, but Tony, Tony and uh, Steve continue their chat as we basically see that Tony has kind of gotten his ass kicked by the new warriors. So we're still not really sure what happened there. We don't even know it's new warriors yet. Uh, but yeah, this is where they have that whole conversation about, about what will eventually become force work. So they're dropping, Dropping hints at force work. Sounds like you guys should be doing a force work review podcast. You guys sound pretty passionate. <laughs> that would be fun. Well, look, if I, if I can do Thunderstrike, you guys can do force works. I like force works. It was short lived, <laughs> hardcore, really stupid at times. It's good. <laughs> now we cut back to, so I guess, okay. So now we're doing the Christopher Nolan thing. So now we've gone forward into Tony and Captain America. And so, all right. So first we start, I'm going to try to put the timeline together here for you. Tony is talking to Dwight Taylor of the Taylor foundation. And then they decide we're going to go fight, you know, go to this dam and fight Iron Man or whatever. Uh, then Captain America shows up and has this first conversation with Tony. Then the next day, as we'll find out, Tony is in his Corvette showing off to Veronica, trying to you know, have his midlife crisis when the new when he gets to this dam and gets into the battle with the new warriors. Then the next day, which is we've seen before this, he's having lunch with Steve Rogers in non superhero garb. 
and he's telling him about yesterday, which is this current battle with New Warriors. You guys following along here? Yeah, I dig it. I don't know if, if time shenanigans was necessary for this rather straightforward story, but anyway, he tried to do his best Christopher Nolan here. Uh, we go, so we go back into this battle. Um, so now we're, we're time jumping again. Cause now we're in Tony's car before the battle. And now we're back to the battle where Tony is, is battling the new warriors and uh, night thrasher and whatnot. Um, and basically they came because they're not happy about this dam. They think the dam is built. It was built by staying internationally using strong arm tactics, including murder to suppress the indigenous protest against it. Uh, what was that like dam that, um, energy pipeline a few years ago, they shut down. And, um, remember that, uh, the, that whole something thing? Dakota. Yeah. Pipeline. yeah Dakota, this is the original Dakota pipeline. So I'm trying to say that this dam, uh, yeah, they killed a bunch of protesters, I guess. Stain international did, but you now Tony's own stain. So now he's got to pay for the crimes instead of legal proceedings. We have a superhero fight. So now they are battling, uh, and again, interposed with this other conversation with Tony. And I guess Tony and Cap have been talking for three days because first they're in Tony's office. Then they're like having lunch. And then they're in Tony's office again, unless they're back in Tony's office from earlier. Are you following the timeline of just the conversations with Tony and Cap here, Jeffrey? Jeffrey, are you? Are you uh, in on this? Yeah. Uh, could, could I just point out something real quick? It's a, it's Please. on a in the in the app. It's page nine. Just that first panel with the new warriors and yes. just M- Moody Firestar with that stupid visor and that stupid jacket. That's got to be like the most nineties thing ever. Right. And that's so sad. Cause you know, underneath all that, all that moodiness and the visors is, you know, Hey, a redhead. We, we gave Bethany, Bethany yeah. the benefit of the doubt, but they're just ruining her hair. This is, yeah. sad. this is Spidey and his amazing friends fire star too. Yeah. Gotta make her fun. Yeah. That nah, was the nineties. I, th- I think, I think, I think around this time is like when her boyfriend like got sent to prison for, Murdering killing his someone, killing abusive his dad, stepfather. Yeah, it was like his abusive stepdad or something like that, and he like killed him with his telekinesis and went to prison. I would have totally framed it on somebody else. Yeah. Well, mm. well, in this conversation, Tony and uh, Cap are kind of lamenting their both their both their attempts to replace themselves with U.S. agent, uh, which was a disaster, and with Jim Rhodes, that was kind of disaster. He said so. They're both kind of like lamenting, like where do they go from here? Because they can't really just straight up replace themselves in the normal way. And Tony then makes a remark, basically a remark about the kids these days being so angry. And then we go back in the timeline again to, or maybe we're going forward. I've kind of lost track uh, to Tony's battle with the new warriors, which uh, you know continues for a number of panels here until we go back to the conversation with, with Steve and Tony. Um, <clears throat> eventually though, they work things out. Essentially, as all these things tend to go, they end up in space at one point and things get things get a little wild. Um, (coughs) But they work things out. Well, by working things out, I mean, they destroy the dam. So so it's like the point kind of becomes moot at that point. And then uh, Tony gets Tony kind of saves Night Thrasher in the process. And then they're like, well, that wasn't quite what I had in mind. And and Tony's like, well, let's just skip the bullshit and clean this thing up now. So now that we've possibly killed, you know, who knows how many people live downstream of this dam that they just flooded, but whatever, we're not worried about that. As they're finally sort of, the stuff is kind of settling and they're getting ready. We see a very familiar to me looking hammer before we turn to the next panel. That hammer is going to be used. What's it going to be used for? It's going to be used to kick their butts as, as Thunderstrike lets them know. Thunderstrike! Thunderstrike! I hear the music when I see Thunderstrike enter into a panel nowadays. Uh, Thunderstrike has arrived. Ramzo. I have done a Thunderstrike podcast for our patrons for several weeks now with my 
as far as I know, exclusive collection of Thunderstrike comics because you cannot find these on the Marvel Unlimited app. As I mentioned, the Marvel Unlimited app only has Thunderstrike number one of this run. None of the other issues on there. I don't know why. I would toss this to you normally, and I would say, Remzo, what are you going to tell me? What can you tell me about Thunderstrike? But since I've been doing the Thunderstrike podcast, I'm going to ask myself, Mark, what can you tell me about Thunderstrike? Well, Thunderstrike, a.k.a. Eric Masterson, was just a simple man, a simple architect who befriended the Norse god Thor. Why? Who knows why? Uh, but some so at some point, Eric Masterson got a little too involved in one of Thor's battles and actually uh, was pretty much killed or was injured and dying, at which point Thor imbued the th- power of Thor into Eric Masterson to save his life, which it did, and it also granted him the powers of Thor. Um, however, at, at some point, Thor wanted to be Thor again, but wanted to let Eric Masterson still kind of be a Thor too. So he gave them this other hammer known as Thunderstrike. And then because Eric Masterson has no originality at all or creativity, he simply named himself after that hammer, which is now just like Donald Blake Thor. When he was an architect, he can now tap the staff on the ground, which will turn it into Thunderstrike and turn him into Thunderstrike, which is basically Thor with an earring and a ponytail. Yeah. And that was Thunderstrike in 60 seconds or less, everybody. Uh, Good job. So, Thunderstrike. Moving on. I, I, I really, as I've mentioned, uh, I collected Thunderstrike pretty consistently uh, from issue one onward. So I, I might actually be the world's foremost Thunderstrike expert. I'm not sure what I can yes. do with that title, but I'm pretty sure I hold it. All right. Yes. Uh, we now move on to issue 304. Let's see. Somehow I got all wrapped up in my, are they still having this conversation? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay. Well back to Christopher Nolan. Uh, stuff. But yes, they are still having this. That's right. Cause this battle is basically just continuing from, from the last issue. So we start off where, um, you know, Thunderstrike is, is yelling at Tony and just again, these are heroes, but their first thought is attack. And this is his fucking teammate. They're on the fucking Avengers together, which Tony pays for. What the fuck? <laughs> like he just attacks him without even thinking twice. He just tells him you fucked up. So he's pissed because he destroyed this dam. Why? Because the design, the, the dam was designed by his good friend, Eric Masterson. So therefore once he, re- he hears of this dam being destroyed and then he immediately taps his staff says, I'm going to go fuck up whoever destroyed this dam, even if it's my friend who I've known for years, or at this point, he's pretty new, not years, but some amount of time. He's attacking Iron Man, and then they say, bro, why are you attacking Iron Man? Uh, We're we're the fucking fucking Night Thrasher and the New Warriors. We're Black Batman and the Angry Kids, and we destroyed the dam, so your beef is with us. So again, these are supposed to be heroic characters. All they're trying to do is fight each other over a fucking broken dam. By the way, if you're the, if you're the architect that designed some fucking dam why do you give a shit years later if someone destroys this thing like it's like you, man, you got, got paid, paid for it <laughs> yeah you got paid you're not like the owner of it it's such a weird thing for can him I, to be mad about like you got paid to I, make blueprints bro can i ask a question it, it just occurred yeah. to me so eric masterson is thunderstrike's secret identity but how is it secret he doesn't wear a mask well he the, does not his, look like this he, in he real turns life. into fabio He's a different guy. Oh, okay. So he he's looks more, different when he's not. Well, this, man, he still has a ponytail. <laughs> In real life, he doesn't have he doesn't have big muscles, and he doesn't have a beard, and he doesn't have an earring. <laughs> so he has a ponytail. So the thunder when he hits the thunderstrike, he gets a ponytail. He gets his earring. He gets his '90s garb. He gets his leather vest, and no one's recognizing him. He looks point. like the saxophone. Look, if I can believe Clark Kent, I can believe this. You know. Okay. Okay. 
Fair enough. Because gonna comics. Be, you're going to have to be because comics on this one. Yes. But there is a somewhat of an explanation, at least because like Clark and Superman are the same. They're literally the same guy with glasses. Thunderstrike is at least going through a, a physical transformation when he taps the staff. So to me, I, I, like can, I can buy that one. Like He-Man. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yes, anyway, as these things tend to unfold, fisty cuffs before words. So so now Thunderstrike, he's he's so upset because his fr- now this is even more more ridiculous <laughs> when you understand Thunderstrike's premise. He's not even <laughs> saying I designed this dam, which is already absurd. He's saying my friend, <laughs> some guy I know, designed this dam. Therefore, I'm gonna just immediately attack my friend Tony over this because uh, he should. I think he knows Tony's Iron Man. He should. He might not. He's new to the scene, so maybe he doesn't know what's going on. So they're fighting, they're fighting each other. And then we hear enough, cut it out. All of you, Tony has just uh, fucking had enough of this shit. He's had days of fighting fucking venom, uh, fighting these stupid kids, having an endless conversation with Steve, with a boring Steve Rogers. He is just, ha- oh, no, that hasn't happened yet. That's in the future. Sorry. Uh, and in the past, uh, he says, or is this your idea? He says, have you lost your minds or is this your idea of accomplishment? As he points to all the destruction and, you know, Dwight Taylor's like, well, no, but Tony and Tony's in full dad mode. Now he's had it. He's like, no, no, buts. this is what happens when you run around half cocked, applying your simplistic solutions to complex problems. And you know what? Tony's right. These assholes just showed up and started fucking throwing fists. Like they have no place here. This is what everyone, Tony's been handling all this pretty well. You know, all these supposed heroes, except Venom. He doesn't really claim to be a hero, just a lethal protector. So fair enough. And he ripped Tony's life, life model decoy head off. Uh, They're just showing up and throwing fists. In fact, Venom is the most consistent with who he says he is, at least. You know, he says, I go and kill people who do wrong things. That's just what I do. There's no justice process. These are supposed to be heroes. So I, I totally get why Tony is fed up with this shit. This is definitely it. a real criticism of, like, the 90s changes in comics. I think I see this now more than I did the first reading. Meanwhile, we go back to the other conversation that Steve and Tony, do you realize we're interposing this battle between not one, but two different conversations between Tony and Steve Rogers. One when they're in his office from before this fight. And then one when they're having lunch, like days after this fight, but they're, they're both, they're intersplicing both of these within this battle. Len Kaminsky is like trying to win a fucking Eisner award here with with this timeline. shit. But I think I've got it down. The lunches after the battle and the 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 office conversation with Captain America in his outfit is before the battle. I think I've got it down. I don't know why we need to see this out of out of uh, out of order. But this is when they're having more conversation about the whole thing of uh, now. They're basically just setting up this force works, I guess, for more '90s glory, which uh, we can look forward to at some point on the Ref, uh, Remzo and Jeffrey do Force Works podcast. So stay, stay tuned for that one. Uh, but yeah, conversation continues. Um, the, the battle has ended elsewhere and we're finding out too, towards the end of this from Tony's people that, uh, there's been, there's been some ruckus at one of the facilities because guess what? Uh, there's been about, well, let's see, there are some demonstrators who have been deployed, uh, called the ecological defense league. And what are they protesting? They are protesting, um, a factory that is doing some work with gamma bombs. Another thing. ADL. Yes, yeah, the original ADL. <laughs> the EDL, I guess, in this case. But yeah, almost the same thing there. We're not going to go any further on that one right now. Uh, but yeah, so you hear the word gamma. I think we can all guess who's going to show up next. So Tony goes to check out the protest, or Iron Man goes to check out the protest. He shows up, and he's actually there to stop the military from stopping the protest. He's like, hey, stop. He breaks their guns. He's like, don't fuck with these protesters. Like, I'm going to go take care of some shit in here. 
So Tony goes inside uh, and gets a very special piece of armor, one that makes its debut here, because guess who's knocking at the door? It's the Hulk. And guess what Tony's got ready? It's the debut of the Hulkbuster armor. Remzo, what can you tell me about the Hulkbuster armor? The Hulkbuster armor was designed to bust the Hulk. Thank you very much. That is correct. So Tony had this hanging around for a rainy day. I guess it did make, kind of make sense that he would keep it at like the Gamma facility because, you know, if you're going to have a confrontation with the Hulk, good chance it's going to happen there. So continuing the trend, do they talk first? Nope. We just start. We get right now. And, and to be fair, uh, Tony just gave a lecture about this, to the new warriors. What does he do? Does he go? And now maybe he's just had enough of this because he's, he's seeing how this trend is going late last few days where people just show up and fight him. So maybe that's why he got on the Hulkbuster armor is a defensive measure, but still, I don't know, a little aggressive when you just gave a speech about maybe we should be talking these things out and not just jumping to, to the fisticuffs, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but Tony, once again, despite the armor is the first one to get punched and he just, he just flies into the air. Um, and he realizes shit. Hulk has never been my favorite person. I don't have much patience with people who think with their fists <laughs> as has been a trend throughout this, but this is beyond the pale, even for him. Why is he going after me like this? And basically as we have in the other issues, we get, yeah, a number of pages of fisticuffs between these two, uh, a pretty standard fight uh, going back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, after pretty much what is an issue uh, issue long battle here, inter inter uh, you know juxtapos between some stuff with Bethany and you know it's Stark's people and all this other stuff, internal Stark Enterprises politics that I'm sure we'll get back to uh, if I decide to keep going with issue 306. I'm not sure I will. Maybe Jeffrey will tell me if I should keep going with this series or not. Um, but Tony says, you know, I'm a reasonable man. We should be talking this stuff out. He says, he says, why are we not talking about this when you could just, you know, you had to come in here with your fists and, and Tony and uh, the Hulk just goes, you know, we could just schedule like a logical time for dismantling this. We don't need to destroy it. And Hulk just goes, okay. And Tony's like, but no, you had to wait. What did you say? He goes, yeah, that sounds fine. That works. I didn't come here to start a war. You know, I came out to work out a reasonable solution to a mutual problem. Now in fairness, after the, after the number of days, Tony has been through this bullshit with other people. and combined with his history of the Hulk that he knew for most of his life, who is just a rampaging maniac. Maybe you can kind of understand where he's coming from with all this. Cause at this point, um, intelligent Hulk professor Hulk, as they say in MCU is a pretty new concept uh, where they merge the Hulk personalities. And uh, Remzo and I looked at that issue very, very, way early on when they merged the savage Hulk, the gray Hulk and Bruce Banner into one new personality, basically like smart Hulk. Uh, so to the smart Hulk is all pretty new to, to everybody here. So maybe, yeah, Tony just was so used to the old Hulk, along with, uh, you know, having Venom rip off his life model decoy's head, having to fight Black Batman, all of the events of the last uh, few days, maybe just had him a little bit on edge. So I think you can understand. You can give him the benefit of the doubt here. But in the end of the day, they walk off once again as old buddies once they took even one second to, to, to talk things out. Uh, and that pretty much, I don't know if this ends the, the crash and burn storyline, but it does end the run that Jeffrey put us on here. So I don't know. How, why don't you... Uh, I don't want to spoil things, but do you want to give us a clue of where this goes, Jeffrey? How long does this sort of Tony dealing with the corporate chicanery go on for? Uh, yeah, it wraps up in the next issue. Yeah, I, 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 th I thought that the storyline ended with issue 305, but it actually ends with issue 306. Oh, was I but... supposed to go further? Shoot. <clears throat> oh, no, no, well, no, no. You can you no, can I, up I, the ending. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. said, you know, issue 305. Yeah, you know, it's it's a bunch of commie gobbledygook, you know, about, you know, <laughs> ethical capitalism and so on and so forth. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, commie talk. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, like, the highlight of the issue is, like, a splash page that is a speech. It's just a speech he gives to people. Sounds like a, I mean, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, l- let, me just, let me just read you the first, like, oh, couple lines of it. <clears throat> the last, Sounds good. Yeah, the last decade of the 20th century is the watershed of the most crucial and momentous period in human history. As a species, we have never before possessed the means to seize our own destinies so completely. In a span of time short enough to qualify as an historical eye blink, we will have the power to manipulate. So, yeah, it goes on for that for two pages. And, yeah, so, two yeah. Pages. <laughs> two pages? Two pages, yeah. Oh I think God. someone was trying to make a statement of that. Yeah. Dude, Len, Len Kaminsky is trying to be Christopher Nolan. He's trying to be uh, Alan Moore with two page speeches. He's, he's, he's going, he's shooting for the stars with this run, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Give him points for effort. So, yeah. And then it ends with him. Like, like I said, like his little cliffside house had been like torn up and a few issues earlier. And so he like goes and he demolishes it, starts rebuilding it. So, you know, because it's the start of a new, new day for uh, Tony Stark. But uh, yeah, and then I didn't read anything past that. But I mean, I had I had a subscription to this when I was a kid. So like after this, like he he, he like winds up getting, like it was in your in your pull list, or did you uh, have a mail? No, like house? actually actually mailed to my house. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So like after this, it 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 gets very very nineties and you know very you know, big, dumb 90s stuff. Like he gets like his body hijacked again. And like, he gets his mind trapped on the internet while an AI takes over his body and like immediately just gets, yeah, it just immediately gets totally wasted (laughs) because the AI isn't used to like human feelings. And so the first thing, you know, is is the body, it's the body of an, what's that? Is that the technovore? No, that's not the technovore. No. No, that was earlier so on. The AI experiences what it's like to be a drunk and can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that storyline where being a drunk is this becomes a superpower. Yeah. But uh yeah, so you know. All right, well, Why very good. Think? Uh I think with that being said, it's time to wrap up and uh grade this puppy. Uh Jeffrey, I think we'll let you get in on the grades too. But first we're gonna go, why don't we go to Remzo first on this? We got it, we got the same artist, same writer, so we can give a full full scale scoring here. This is good. I have a, I I don't like the, the, and I, I'm somebody who personally, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. My second book was written in a non-linear style. So I have, it's not against non-linear storytelling. I just don't think this was necessary and it it distracts from especially the three layers. Like you're going to interpose a future and past conversation with, I could see just the conversation with Tony intersplicing that with the, the, battle also unnecessary but then to add another conversation from the future and mix them all i i would have i would have taken out hulk i would have taken out captain america i probably would have kept the new warriors and done more with venom to make this maybe a two a two issue arc um i'm gonna give the story a three out of five it was entertaining enough, but it's those components where it's like they want to do a lot and they want to make it a little bit more sophisticated than a typical uh, comic book. I'm going to give it a three out of five. I think maybe I should give it like a 2.5, but I did enjoy it. So I'm, I'm going to give it that full three out of five. The artwork, I think, is good, too. I don't like the renderings of a lot of the characters. It's not necessarily that I don't like the artwork. It's just that I think that the characters have been drawn better. and 
I could see other artists at this time coming in and doing it. Like whoever was doing West Coast Avengers at the time could have very easily done this. Or maybe uh, Mark Bagley. I'm surprised it's never been given a uh, an why, Iron why Man. Why would Mark book. Bagley lower himself to this? To this uh, yeah, that's the thing. I think I think he could have done this. He did a good Venom though. Did a really good Venom, Maximum Carnage. I'm gonna give the artwork. Ooh, I'm not. I'm gonna give the artwork a three out of five. I'm gonna give this a total six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Not. I wouldn't call it quite Sunday read at that level. That's more like a. That's more like a Wednesday homesick read. Maybe something like. Yeah. That. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna let's see. Storyline writing is this good? You could argue it's good. Is it great? No, you can't make that argument. Um, you know, despite the fact that it was the, just the trope of every superhero battle, starting with fisticuffs. And I, I did like that. It it was addressed like Tony addressed it. And then it became sort of an integral part of the last battle where you really like Tony is more the one being the hothead. And Hulk was the one that was actually just trying to show up and have a conversation. But Tony didn't even follow his own advice from the previous issue. So I do kind of like that sort of running storyline of, of playing off the trope. That's the only reason I'm going to give the writing a three over two and a half two because I did kind of enjoy some aspects of it a little more than than average. So, you know, it's not great, but I'm going to give it a three uh, for the writing. And then for the art, I'm going to just I'm just going to I called it average art earlier. I'm going to call it average art now. An average of a five is two and a half. I'm giving the art a two and a half. That gives me a five and a half for this one, which actually feels a little low because I didn't really hate this. So should I go higher? No, I'm going to stick to my scores. I think they're fair. This is not anything great, but I, I enjoyed it for reasons that aren't necessarily due to the quality. So I'm going to give it a five and a half. I'm going to stick with my score. Jeffrey, do you, would you care to chime in? Uh, sure. Uh, art. Yeah, I agree. 2.5. It's, you know, it's perfectly average nineties art, you know, not really more to say about that. And, uh, the writing, uh, I of course have a weakness for big dumb nineties stuff. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Because, you know, it's entertaining. You know, it makes me smile. Sometimes that's all you can ask for. So from Jeffrey, we get a 6 out of 10 for an official SPC store. This is getting an 11.5. Just because of my slight grumpiness on it. But I kind it's of enjoyed still, it too. Even if you had go gone up, it still would have been like, what? What is what is Sunday read? 14? You know what the thing is? It's I, I find with stuff like this too. I en- I don't enjoy reading it as much as I do talking about it. So sometimes because we're making jokes and we're laughing about it or what have you, my score kind of goes up because I'm having fun talking about it. But I don't know if that should let my score go up because we're laughing at things that aren't we're not laughing at it because it's such high quality necessarily we're laughing at things that are kind of cheesy or silly so but you know if without the podcast i I sometimes put to put that filter on like without talking about it on the podcast if i just read this and was not going to make jokes about it later and like have fun with you guys talking about it would i would i give it even a lower score i don't know but it's a philosophical question to think about the question of our time yeah And, and i mean what what is what is a sunday read it's a 14 out of 20 Pretty yeah, twelve to fourteen, or did we decide yeah. on like fourteen? Yeah, like a seven ish. Yeah. yeah, is about a about a Sunday read level. Yeah, it's like yeah. a fourteen out of twenty. But I, I definitely got to say, like, I do not, and it's just Iron Man in general. These are my last thoughts. I did not like Iron Man growing up because it was a little bit between he's either too perfect in the Howard Hughes era 
or he's just mean and grumpy and post alcoholism, Tony Stark. This is an era of Iron Man where he tries to be a lot of things. And I think they want to set him up as like one of the senior, you know, Marvel Trinity heroes during this time. It never sat well with people. And I mean, in this situation where it's like nobody really respects him, it's like the new guard, new warriors, you know, that new era of heroes, they don't really respect him. The old guard, they don't really respect him. I mean, it, it comes to a thing where I feel like Iron Man has good stories and there have been cool Iron Man moments. But Iron Man, to me, in this period, was always a B-lister. And that's just one of those things that I think is crazy, because now if you say that to people, they have they, they would just completely disagree. And I'm not just saying that because of the Robert Downey Jr. effect. Warren Ellis did a fantastic job bringing him into the 21st century. Matt Fraction does not get enough credit for creating probably one of the best reinterpretations of Iron Man when he took over Invincible Iron Man issue one in 2008 onward. All right, Remzo, so, you got to put me yeah. on this on this fraction run because I've never read oh, that yeah. fraction run, and I do generally like Matt Fraction's work. We so. gotta do seven Cue deadly me up. sins. Cue me yeah. up an episode. Yeah, we'll we'll do seven deadly sins. That that's uh that's probably one of the best. All right, well, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, Ellis. I mean, Ellis basically turned Iron Man from a guy with armor into actually a superhero because he actually has sort of has powers now, whereas the armor is like part of him, which I think really just ups his sort of uh, badass level. Even more than that, he makes Tony Stark matter. And, and that's where it's like, you know, that's you see them in phases. It's like Howard Hughes, angry 90s and then Robert Downey Jr. Hashtag Stark Lives Matter. So thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey, for your continued support, as always, and for coming on and joining us for this one. Uh, of course, if you want to be like Jeffrey, I don't know if you can ever be quite like Jeffrey, uh, but you can like do pimping. your darnest. You can try your best. Head over to patreon.com slash pod. We have all sorts of pledge levels, whether it's just five bucks a month, gets you access to all of our exclusive audio, gets you in the Facebook group, the fan zone, uh, early releases of all these episodes, sometimes live editions of this stuff. Uh, above and beyond all sorts of different levels, including the journey into mystery calls. We have every month, uh, the Epic crossover level where you get uh hardcover sent to you handpicked by Mark and Remzo by me and Remzo. I'm, I'm speaking third person here. Um, and of course you can be at the producer level as well. What about the Kirby club? Kirby That's club. what I, I had. I had a momentary lapse of a uh, lapse of memory there. You can join the Kirby club like Jeffrey has and produce an episode of this show. So, so many options, patreon.com slash second print print woo i'm sorry slash second print pod let's speak clearly remzo take us out remember there's one thing you can do it's short it's sweet whisper it to your lover say it to your kids name your dog it's read comics and change the world good night america adios Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.